Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Sit normally. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! Through this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! And it's gone! He went to Garrett! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. And we just got done seeing the Angels take three of four from the Oakland Athletics up in Oakland. So let's talk a little bit about that series. You know, obviously the Angels looking to keep this thing rolling after taking two or three from the Nationals, taking two or three from the Tampa Bay Rays. So obviously now they hit the road after a much needed day off and they start up the next series up in Oakland. And on the mound in Oakland was a rookie making his MLB debut. That'd be right-hander Chase Sealseth. Obviously, we talked a little bit about that on the last podcast when the news came out that he was going to make the start on Friday. And for people that don't know, he was a draftee in the 2001 draft, the one where the Angels drafted 20 pitchers, signed 19 of them, and he was a college pitcher out of the University of Arizona. So let's get into the game and let's talk about Chase because he actually had a really, really good game. And his scoring came pretty pretty uh, sparsely, and I was for both the A's and the Angels in this game. The first score would happen when Brandon Marsh singled on a ground ball to center field, and that lets Anthony Rendon score. Up the middle. Is it going to get through? And it does. Squeaks past the shortstop. Rendon comes in to score. Marsh gets the RBI. It's one nothing Angels. And in the next inning, the top of the fifth inning, Andrew Velasquez hits his first home run as an Angel as he makes the score 2-0. So here's Velasquez. That's driven. Right field. Loriano going back. Maybe this has a chance. And it does! It leaves the yard! He's been due! Squid game! Andrew Velasquez, his first homer as a halo. It's 2-0, Angel! And like I said, that is all the Angels would need in this game. This game did turn into a pitching duel, and for Chase to make his MLB debut and pitch as well as he did on the major league level like he like this is, uh, was something really cool to see because, you know, obviously the Angels have always needed pitching, and 
and honestly, quite honestly, with the run they're having right now, it's on the on the arms of their pitching. Yes, their offense has done great. Yes, people like Ward and Trout and Otani have all produced very well offensively. But let's let's be honest. Like the Angels have had offensive seasons like this before, but not performed as a team wise very well. And that's because of the pitching. And to see, you know, guys make debuts, rookies pitch very well in the rotation is a huge part of the reason why I believe the Angels are where they are this far into the season. Chase would make this MLB MLB debut something that he would definitely remember for a really long time, going six innings, only giving up one hit, two walks, and four strikeouts on 81 pitches. And going into this game, a lot of questions was how how deep was he going to pitch? How, how many innings could they expect from him? How many, what was his pitch count? But he was very efficient, was able to put a lot of balls in play. And you know, it showed because he was able to, like I mentioned, get through six innings, only giving up that one hit, walk two. So the command wasn't necessarily an issue either. So it was really cool to see a guy make his MLB debut and really put on a show and lead this team to victory. Like I mentioned, Angels would score two runs, and that's all they would need because after Silseth went out, you had Loop, Tapera, Iglesias all throw an inning each with Tapera being the only one to give up a hit. Other than that, the game was completely shut down. Iglesias gets his eighth save of the year, and the Angels start this series out with a victory to kind of – uh, get the momentum going in their favor going into the next day, Saturday, where there were two going to be two games, a doubleheader. And for some people that were asking why there was a doubleheader or didn't understand why there was a doubleheader, um, if you remember at the beginning of the year, the first week was was missed because of the lockout and there's had to be games being made up for that. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to make up some of those games at the beginning of the year. If you remember when the schedule came out last year, a lot of people were like, why are we always starting up in Oakland? Well, now that that first week was delayed, now we're going to have to see Oakland a couple more times with a couple more of these double headers coming up throughout the schedule. But great start for the weekend for the Angels getting a win and a pitcher's duel with a rookie pitcher. So we'll see what is next for chase if he stays in the rotation if he doesn't stay in the rotation if he's uh you know competing for that sixth spot right now it looks like there's like a three three-headed race for that sixth spot in the rotation between him uh you know jonathan diaz and then jose suarez we'll see what happens with suarez he hasn't been up uh since he got sent down a couple weeks ago but you have to think that these three guys are probably gonna compete for that sixth spot in the rotation because um, the front five seemed pretty locked down, especially after the performance you see from Reed Detmers last week. So we'll have to see how this plays out. We'll see how he is, Chase, how he is with the team. You know, what's his position with the team? What's his role with the team going forward? Madden wasn't necessarily too committal about it one way or the other. After the game, whether it was going to be, yeah, he's going to be our sixth starter or no, you know, we like to time up here, but we're going to, you know, see about other options. He wasn't very definite on one way or the other. So there's still a lot of questions when it comes to that sixth starter and the rotation for the Angels. And I guess only time will tell. And if they can kind of keep on mixing, matching these guys and get wins like this, uh, you know, it might be the the winning formula. Keep whoever that sixth guy is fresh and honestly, it might help that he doesn't get a ton of starts just because of the fact that, if you have a guy that doesn't make a ton of starts 
it's going to be really hard to for the for the opposing team to you know scout and um, break down film about that guy and understand what his strengths and weaknesses are if you just don't have enough film to look at. So maybe that's the idea of just kind of mixing and matching and kind of keeping the other team guessing as far as who's going to be that next guy so they don't have a good idea uh, of who to look at or who who's taped to, to watch and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a theory. I don't Again, I don't know any more than anyone else does, but uh, maybe that works for them. Maybe it doesn't, but we have seen a couple guys in that sixth spot uh, throughout, this, throughout this year, and honestly, it doesn't look like there's going to be a definite guy in that spot as of right now. Now we go to Saturday morning, the first game of a day-night doubleheader from the, for the Angels and the Athletics. Um, different from the years past or from last year and even 2020, these doubleheaders are going to be a full nine innings. Before, with COVID and I believe even last year, they were seven-inning doubleheader games. But these games are going to be a full nine innings. So a full, uh, you know, three games in two days and honestly, four four games in three days if you count Sunday's game. So not in my eyes, not completely surprising when you look at the lineup on Saturday morning and you didn't see guys like um, uh, Trout or Rendon or or – Award like I kind of figured with a day game after a night game with a night game still going on that night that uh, those guys those older guys or in Ward's case guys still kind of coming off an injury might not see the field in the morning at least not as a starter probably and you'll see like guys did pitch hit in this game but I was not surprised that they didn't get to start because of the game coming up that night and obviously coming up in Sunday that's a lot to ask for when you have guys like Rendon and Trout who are a little bit older and the ultimate goal is to keep their health sustained through the whole year because we know how this team can change drastically if a guy like Trout gets hurt and misses a significant amount of time. So a lot of people were wondering why these guys weren't in the lineup, but I think it was completely understandable knowing that you just had a game the night before and it's a quick turnaround it's even gonna be a quicker turnaround in between games i think they ended up having only two hours of rest between the morning game and the afternoon game so when i didn't see trout and some of those other guys in the lineup i was completely i completely understood why and the fact that they were still available to come off the bench and pitch hit showed that the injury and people always wonder that if it's injury related and with angels past like i i I can see why but i i saw that there's no need for them to start that game especially against a team like the oakland a's where you thought you would be able to take advantage of you know their their poor offense and hopefully get a win without using your main guys and this game too just like the one on friday would be and honestly i think a lot of these games except for saturday night were absolute pitching pitchers duels and angels get up early in the first inning with one run but then after that, you know, the game kind of just went to the pitchers and Jonathan Diaz did an absolutely wonderful job on his second start of the year going four and two thirds inning, giving up one hit, four walks. So a little erratic there with four strikeouts. I personally thought he could have went a little bit longer, especially trying to get out of that fifth inning. I was surprised that they pulled him when they did. His pitch count was only at 75. I honestly thought that it, there, there has been a... Um, it seems like there's been a movement or a change of philosophy with the angels right now, where they have been letting the pitchers, starting pitchers go a little bit deeper work out of their jams a little bit more than we saw, you know, beginning of the year. Yeah. Because of a short spring training, I understood that, but even 
dating back to like last year, it just seems like they were able to work out more of their jams in the last you know couple of weeks than years past. So when Jonathan Diaz got taken out in the fifth inning, I was surprised at that. I thought he probably could have definitely finished the fifth and maybe to you know gone into the sixth inning and if it was a quick couple outs to finish the sixth as well. And and that was a big thing too with with this game being on Saturday morning. In the back of your mind, you already knew that you were going to have to. Um, use your bullpen or try to use your bullpen sparingly because of the fact that, again, day game after a night game and then another game at, at you know that night. So I was hoping that he was going to try to let him go deeper. It wasn't like the score was that wasn't like the score was out of control or anything. Like that the Angels were up, the Angels were winning. So you know, let him kind of play with that a little bit. I understand that he put guys on and he did have some high leverage situations, but in a game in a day like this where you have two games. I would have very much preferred him to just let him continue to go and at least get out of the fifth and possibly get out of the sixth because then you're, if he gets through the sixth inning, you're pretty much saving an arm for that night. There's one less arm you're using during the morning game that you can now use at night or if not use at night, you can definitely use Sunday. But he ended up getting taken out. Oliver Ortega comes in. He ends up going uh, inning in, a, in two-thirds, giving up that tying run. Like I mentioned before, it was a pitcher's duel all the way until that seventh inning when uh, Jed Lowry singles uh, off of Aaron Loop. But it was uh, Oliver Ortega's guy, so that's why he gets the earned run from to make the score 1-1 one, one in the bottom of the seventh. So top of the eighth, again, tied still 1-1. One, one. Anthony Rendon singles on a sharp line drive that Jared Walsh scores on, making the score 2-0. And still in the eighth inning, and at this point, any kind of little insurance runs you can put up on the board uh, will help completely. Like I mentioned, the the more more runs you use, you would think it would give the bullpen some more um, – leeway and maybe you don't have to use everybody going into a doubleheader that night but Andrew Velasquez singles on a ground ball making the score three to one uh, angels and that's all they would score in the top of the eighth so now we go into the bottom bottom of the ninth with the angels still up three to one and this is where it gets kind of uh, not tricky but a little bit of a mind-blown situation after getting two quick outs uh, Rossell Iglesias ends up giving up a double and then a walk. The walks in this game, I feel like, were a really big issue. The Angels walked seven total batters in this game um, from all their pitchers. And normally, that's not a recipe for success. I think there was a lot of things in this game where the Angels, I don't want to say they skated by, but there are some things in this game, like the walks, where um, – you know, you feel like they might not have the right kind of mixture of stuff going to win this game. But with two on and two out, you had Luis Berea come up for the Oakland A's and hit his very first home run uh, for the, I think it was his first home run in his career. I think he's, he's a fairly young guy, but definitely his first home run of the year to walk it off and Oakland wins three to four off of normally very dependable Rossell Iglesias um I don't think you know I don't know how much of it was day game after a night game kind of deal uh, again the walks hurt I don't think this is anything to really be 
freaking out about with as far as Rosselli Iglesias. It might have been one, you know, he got two quick outs. I don't know if he kind of let up a little bit, giving up that double, giving up that walk. And then, you know, that's the one thing you try to avoid as a closer is just putting extra guys on because solo shots as a closer normally don't hurt you. Normally, you know, yeah, you'll be in a in one game, one run games every once in a while. But a lot of times you're in like, you know, two run games, three run games where a solo shot doesn't hurt. But when you allow the guys to get on base for free as in a walk, that's where it really gets kind of tricky. And I think that was the biggest mistake more so than giving up the home run for Rossell because, you know, stuff like that happens. And when you throw at the velocity Iglesias throws at, it doesn't take a whole lot for a guy to put one over the fence, especially if he squares it up. That velocity that that Rossell kind of throws with makes it so much easier to hit a home run than a guy that might be throwing in the mid 80s or anything like that. And, you know, give credit to Luis uh, Berea, he he connected and he won the game for the Oakland Athletics. But I don't think this is necessarily a sign of things to come for Rossell Iglesias. I don't think it's a sign of things that you know that his season's going to be um, over or his season's going to be underwhelming or anything. I don't think any of that. I think honestly, it's one bad pitch that got connected with. But before that, it was probably one bad um, at bat where he walked a guy with a man already on base. I think that's probably. Um, the worst part of it because you give up that home run with no one with one guy on base is tied game and now you still give your team a chance to win in an extra. So again, not terribly worried. Yeah, it sucks to drop a game to Oakland, especially a team like Oakland where they are on the bottom of the division. But you still had a chance that night and you still had a chance on Sunday uh, morning to take the series. And I think that's what the main focus for the Angels had to be. And, and uh, obviously, that's kind of what it turned it out to be. So now we go to Saturday night. Michael Lorenzen's on the mound for the Angels. Again, another one of these pitchers that has performed really, really well uh, over the season and a big factor of why the Angels are performing as well as they are this season. But he would give up a run in the bottom of the first on a fielder's choice to give Oakland the lead 1-0. That lead would not last long as the Angels tie it up in the top of the first off a Chad Walrick walk with the bases loaded that scored Anthony Rendon. And a couple of batters later, Taylor Ward, uh, a man that is making a serious case, not only for an all-star bid, starting all-star bid, but also making some MVP noise, comes up to the plate with the bases loaded and does this in the first drives that one right center field and hit incredibly well it is out of here grand slam taylor ward so that would cap a five run second inning for the angels to put him back up on top of the oakland athletics and at the top of the fifth they wouldn't be done yet as mike trout comes up to the plate and hits this rbi double Here's Trout. Crushes that one down the line. That's going to go to the wall. That's going to be an RBI double. And it's 6-1 Angels. And like so many times in games past, before anyone can really get settled down after that RBI double, Shohei Otani comes up to the plate and goes yard. And that one's driven to center field by Shohei Otani. And that one is gone! That is number 100 for Shohei Otani. In Major League Baseball. And that would be his 100th 
MLB home run. All with the Angels, obviously. Some great, great company he keeps now with Babe Ruth being him and Babe Ruth. Him and Babe Ruth only. Only players ever in MLB history to at least hit 100 home runs and strike out 200 batters. And when you could put yourself in a category like that where it's just you and Babe Ruth in it, that is something special. And that's exactly what Shohei Otani did when he hit that 100th home run out in Oakland. And uh, 100, it seems fast. It does seem fast. And I'm sure more, many more healthy seasons ahead of him, he'll get to 200 just as fast. But again, when you, can, when you look at some of the numbers and the only guy that's comparable to Shohei Otani with those numbers is Babe Ruth at a time where, um, let's be honest, the athletes aren't, aren't what they are now. You know, back then guys were working second jobs, weren't training as hard as they were, but you know, to put yourself in a category with Babe Ruth is something special. And Otani did that in the fifth inning with that home run, but the angels would not be done yet. They would cap off the scoring with this Taylor Ward single Taylor Ward right up the middle base hit. That was another rocket. That's going to be another RBI. That's five. And that's all the Angels would need, obviously, being nine runs. Michael Lorenzen having a great outing, going seven innings, giving up five hits, one earned run, only walking one with three strikeouts. So, you know, obviously the morning the morning game, you used all your guys. You used Russell. You used a lot of your main guys out of the bullpen that were not going to be available at that night game. So for Lorenzen to go deep into the game, go seven innings, and not only for that, but the offense to show up so you not you don't have – a high lever situation late in games. You were able to use some of your secondary bullpen guys and get through the game relatively unscathed. You had uh, Bear Claw come in for an inning, give up one hit, one walk, and then Myers come into the ninth inning and he only gave one hit uh, with one strikeout. So not not very much high lever situations for those guys late in games. So the offense showed up, the, the pitching showed up, and then the Angels were at least able to split that uh, Saturday doubleheader with the A's and at this point at least guaranteeing you a split of the overall series with one game left to play on Sunday and like I said before you went on the road or you went at home and split on the road but the way the Angels have been playing now it seems like you want to win every series you want to win every series as possible and with some of the scheduling coming up you can see that it's very possible for the Angels to win a lot of these series whether they're at home or away but another great outing by the Angels offense another great great outing by Taylor Ward where he goes three for three with five RBIs he got walked twice he was just a on base machine for this game brings his average at the time at the end of that game to 384 so obviously like I mentioned before Ward is definitely making some noise in the all-star all-star realm starter in the all-star game I think is very very uh likely and obviously making some noise in the mvp voting like i still there's some giant names that i think the national media are kind of uh favoriting right now and like i mentioned it's because of the names and some of those names are on his team whether it be shohei and and trout but obviously guerrero uh judge those guys are also having really good uh seasons as well but now it's pretty interesting to see whenever you put up a uh a stat of top five offensive categories in baseball. Yeah. You're going to have those guys that you expect to be up there, but Taylor Ward is also there now. And I think a huge nod of respect for him would be, you know, maybe not 
winning the MVP, I don't, I, I, you know, if he keeps up this pace, anything is possible. But I think a huge nod of respect for Ward would be him getting MVP votes at the end of the year. But like I mentioned, if he keeps this streak up for the whole season, then, yeah, I don't think anything is impossible. But this guy is playing really, really well, and he deserves uh, all-star game, all-star game starter. And who knows where his power numbers are, are by the time the all-star break, but who knows, maybe we put him in the home run derby or maybe we can get him into the home run derby out in Los Angeles and he could kind of be the local boy also being from um, coming from uh, India, uh, Indio and Shadow Hills High School. So a lot of things in Fresno State College and you kind of already know his backstory, but this guy has definitely proven that he is a all-star caliber player over his his play this last season and even towards the end of last season. So hopefully they are able to get him in the All-Star game, get him starting in the All-Star game. Has to start looking up to see when you can start, fans can start voting on that. But you got to think he is going to be ahead of a lot of guys out there in right field and and rightfully so, rightfully so. He has a ton of numbers that prove that he should be out there for sure. Now going to Sunday morning's game where the Angels look to take the series Three out of four from the Oakland Athletics up in Oakland, and they had Patrick Sandoval on the mound to do that. Obviously, his last start on Mother's Day, um, huge, huge comeback win, walk off, all that stuff last last Sunday on Mother's Day. So hopefully, there could have been some more uh, excitement like that around the Angels and his most recent outing. And Otani gets it started first with his two-run home run in the top of the first. Oh, that one is hammered, and you can forget about that one. He's done it again. Wow! That is crushed. So that is number 101 now for Shohei Otani. The A's would end up getting one of those runs back in the bottom of the third, but after that, this did turn into a pitching duel with, like I mentioned before, Patrick Sandoval on the mound for the Angels, and Frankie Montas on the mound for the athletics. And obviously Frankie Montas is like the last big piece Oakland has to trade and possibly be gone by the all-star break, definitely by the trade deadline. And will we see him in an Angels uniform? I don't know. Who knows? Possibly. But there's going to be a lot of teams out there looking for a pitcher like Frankie uh, around that all-star break and trade deadline. So it turned into a pitcher's duel after that. Uh, Patrick Sandoval would not necessarily have his best stuff all game long. His his normally very, very good changeup seemed to be kind of spotty at times. He can tell that he didn't have the full control of that, but he did rely on some of his other pitches to get through a very respectable outing, going six and a third innings, giving up four hits, giving up one run, four walks, four strikeouts. So again, not his best start, a very gritty start. And I feel like I've been saying that a lot about a lot of these Angels pitchers throughout this season where watching it and looking at the stats, you kind of get two different pictures. Like watching this game with Patrick, you can see that he didn't necessarily have his best stuff. He was he was behind in counts. He was in some situations where men in scoring position and he was able to get out of it. And you look at his stats and it looks pretty clean, but you, he had to work really hard for this outing and it was a real gritty performance by Patrick Sandoval. And I feel like that's been having a lot, happening a lot this season for Angels pitchers. And I think that's one of the different things that's happened this season with Angels pitching is that before 
pitchers would go out there and you would see that they don't want to have their stuff and it would just kind of snowball. Maybe you give up, they give up two runs in the second and then they come out and they give up another three in the third and then it just kind of, kind of collapses like that. But this season with these Angels pitchers, it seems like when they do, when they don't have their best stuff, they're able to kind of almost grit their teeth, go to their secondary stuff, don't be afraid of using their secondary stuff and work through it, get through it, whether that's kind of ditching the whole idea of these, these strikeouts or and just trying to put the ball in play even more. That just kind of seemed like what Patrick Sandoval was doing, just trying to get the ball in play, let this defense, and especially Andrew Velasquez, this guy is really good on defense. I know, I know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, what does he hit? What does he contribute to offensively? Maybe that comes around. Maybe that doesn't. I'm not 100% sure, but Andrew Velasquez saves as many runs defensively as anyone else on this team. And when you're looking at the total picture of how a team wins, defense is just as important as putting the ball over the fence. And this guy does it, and he does it day in and day out. I think now it's safe to say, even with Matt Duffy coming back off the IL during this series, Andrew Velasquez is going to be a fixture at shortstop for the rest of this season. And if his and if his bat comes around, if his bat's able to produce, you know, a respectable number, then great. But he's batting in the ninth position. He's batting in the eighth position for a reason. And that's fine. Not every lineup is going to be, you know, killer one through nine. They just have a very, very good lineup one through six, one through seven. You know, so if that back end in the, the lineup doesn't look all that great, but he is able to produce defensively like he has been, then I think Andrew Velasquez needs to be in there every game at shortstop because he does so much for this team on that side of the ball that no one else has yet for the Angels. And, you know, we know Marsh, great outfielder. Trout, great outfielder. Rendon, great third baseman. Walsh, great first baseman. But I think if you're going to look at the top defensive player on the team right now as we stand, I, I seriously think it's Andrew Velasquez. He is, if, the, if there was a defensive MVP for a team right now, it would definitely go to Andrew Velasquez. So with that behind him, Patrick Sandoval was able to work out of plenty of jams, able to get deep into this game. And again, we're worried about the, the bullpen and the two games on Saturday, but he was able to go six and a third, like I mentioned before, six and a third, only get one run, four strikeouts, four walks. And Frankie Montas honestly did a really good job keeping the the Angels batters off balance after that home run by Otani, going six innings, four hits, two runs, 12 strikeouts. Angels batters did strike out quite a bit this game. Angels batters struck out 15 times this game. And to show that all great guys you know, struggle. You had Rossell Iglesias struggle on Saturday morning. You had Taylor Ward struggle in this game Sunday, striking out three times, even though he got two hits. Struck out, still struck out three times. Um, you, you, you guys struggle, but it just seems like when this team struggles, someone else picks up the slack and someone else is able to um, push this team forward. And that's the difference between this year and years past. And shout out to Herget, Jimmy Herget for coming in and pitching two and two-thirds innings to shut the door on the athletics and record his first career save. 
Jimmy Herget, I think, is kind of an underrated piece of this bullpen. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. But gets his first career save, going two and two-thirds innings and a career high in pitches. I believe it was around, yeah, 44 pitches. So Jimmy Herget comes in, tells the rest of the bullpen to have the day off. Angels end up winning this game 4-1 to one to take the series out in Oakland, 3-1, to one, and moving on now to Texas at Texas starting on Monday night. So with all that in the books, all the other teams in the AL West have completed games on Sunday as we record this podcast. The Angels are tied for first place with the Houston Astros. Angels right now sit at 24 and 13, 11 games over 500, 7 and 3 in their last 10. And that's huge. Obviously no no team is going to go and win you know, 15, 16 games in a row. But if you can win, you know, seven out of three every 10, you're, you're doing pretty good for themselves. And tied with Houston, Houston is on a really good streak, and they have a really soft schedule coming up with uh, games against Washington that just finished up and then another series with Boston, and I think they play Texas after that. So Houston is going to be hanging around for a while, but – you got to like the fact that even with Houston going on a 10-game winning streak earlier this week, the Angels are still right there. They didn't drop off at all. And I think this, honestly, and I said this before, I think this is going to shape up to be a very, very exciting race for the AL West throughout this whole season. Um, athlete, or the Astros have shown that they are not a team that is kind of past their prime. They are showing that they're a team that are – just as competitive as in years past, Verlander seems to have found his uh, form pre-Tommy John, and he is definitely helping this Astros team um, compete for the top of the division. And with the Angels playing as well as, as, well as they are, that's going to be a lot of fun. When the Astros come to town, hopefully the big A is packed because those are those kind of games, even though they're going to be, uh, I think they're in, in July, beginning of July is when the Astros play, or maybe in mid-June. But either way, whenever those teams meet up those games are definitely going to meet uh mean a little bit more this time around than in years past those games can um, very easily determine now who gets the division because it's always easier to get a game up on a on an opponent when you face them uh when you face them on a you know three or four game series so that's something definitely to watch out for angels playing very very good baseball again they're 24 and 13 as of the as of uh, sunday night with seven out of seven and three out of the last ten, plus different plus run differential of fifty seven, best in the AL West. So if you you like to look into those kind of extra stats, that's where they they uh, line up there. Uh, plus fifty seven run differential, best in the AL West. So a lot of great things going on. A lot of great baseball happening with the uh, Angels right now. Uh, can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. And what a week! What a week! for Angels Baseball. You start off, like I said, last at this time last week, on Sunday last week for Mother's Day, you had that great walk-off by Anthony Rendon. Then you have Shohei's first Grand Slam on Monday against the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, Tuesday was absolutely bonkers with a no-hitter. Anthony Rendon going left-handed. And also, too, before I, I forget, I forgot to mention this, and I'm sure you guys know, also on that Monday against the Tampa Bay Rays, Mike Trout sets the record for most home runs at Angel Stadium, passing, obviously, Tim, Tim Salmon. It just seems like whenever Trout passes any kind of Angel record, it's always 
previously held by Tim Salmon. And so he does that also Monday. Um, and then like I mentioned, um, no, no hitter by Reed Detmers on, on Tuesday. Rendon's left-handed home run on Tuesday, Wednesday. Eh. And then obviously you come into this uh, series. You saw history with Otani and his 100th home run. You got Chase Silseth making his MLB debut, pitching really strong. It's just been a fun, fun week for uh, Angels fans and Angels baseball in general. And we'll see how much more of these weeks we have. And hopefully there are a lot more because it's fun to talk about it here. And it's fun to kind of relive it here um, when the game was, you know, a couple days ago. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. This happened. Or, oh, yeah, right. That's happened. So now looking forward to Texas, Angels on a plane right now on the way to the Lone Star State to face a have a three game set with the Texas Rangers, where hopefully the Angels are able to take all three of these games. It's a three-game set, um, all the games starting at 5.05 West Coast time. And on Monday, you have Noah Syndergaard on the mound versus John Gray. Obviously, I like I really like the matchup there against with Noah Syndergaard on the mound. This guy has performed very, very well. With a three, He's a 3-1 record with a 2.45 ERA. 21 strikeouts over the season so far. So you have to like your your matchup there. This offense has been clicking even more so than I think the last time they played. The last time they played, from what I remember, you know, Trout got hit on the hand with with the ball, with a slider, uh, I think the last game of the series. But even before that, the offense didn't seem to really be clicking like they are now. It does seem like this offense has taken a big step forward over the last two, three weeks. And hopefully that continues over into um, Texas this series. And then on Tuesday night, you have Reed Detmers making his return to the mound after his no hitter out in Angel Stadium last week. What I do like, though, is that he does have a he has a week off, you know, Tuesday to Tuesday. So my biggest thing with him worried or or what I'll be keeping an eye on for this game is how is he going to react after that complete game no hitter Um, he had career highs both in innings pitched and in pitches is there some kind of fatigue in that arm still is there um, any kind of uh, hangover from the no hitter obviously after the no hitter happened you saw him a lot on different little uh, TV shows here, interviews there, um, you know, MLB Network and all that stuff. So is there any kind of fatigue from there? Is there any kind of this fatigue in general from pitching so much, uh, having career highs and all that stuff? So it'll be interesting to see how he performs, what his uh, pitch count or what he'll look like when he'll come out during this game. If the offense gives him, you know, a bunch of runs, is that means he more likely to stay in because he has breathing room or it's like, let's not use them all up right now. There's a huge uh, lead. So he's going to be on the mound against Taylor Hearn from the Texas Rangers. Taylor Hearn is two and two with a five, two, six ERA. So I, again, I like my matchup there, but I'm really, really interested to see how Detmers bounces back from that no hitter as far as just that's a lot of pitches. And if you haven't done it before, you don't know how your body's going to react. You don't know how your body's going to bounce back from it. Granted, he is young. Granted, he has extra time off. But you're still always kind of in the back of your mind seeing like, all right, 
I've never done this before. Let's see how, how I respond back. And you really don't know until you take that mound again on your next start. So that's definitely something to watch. And then the season, in the season finale, Wednesday night, you're going to have Shohei Otani showing why he is the best and honestly most historic player in MLB history um, on the mound against Dane Dunning of the Texas Rangers. Shohei's record right now is 3-2 and two with a 2.78 ERA, striking out 46 up there as far as league leaders uh, with strikeouts in the, a- in the AL uh, in the American League. So very fun series to watch. Hopefully Angels are able to get the sweep and continue their hot streak right now and go into a day off on Thursday before they come back to Angel Stadium. Um to face the A's again, but this is going to be a really, really good test. I, 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 as far as not being complacent and remember angels have always had that kind of, uh, reputation of kind of going down to their competition. They did a very good job of not doing that against Oakland. Now let's see if they can do it again against the Texas Rangers. I feel like that first series where they played and the Rangers ended up um, taking that very first game. I think the reason they won that very first game against the Angels was because they got complacent. They scored 10 run- they let them score 10 runs in that game. I think that was some of it had to do with this team isn't very good or anything like that, but the Angels did bounce back there. Angels did bounce back very well from that walk-off home run in less than 2 hours and get back on the field and do it. So it doesn't seem like that's the kind of angels mentality this year where we're going to bring ourselves down to our competition. We're going to, we're going to be at a level. We're going to stay at that level. We're going to compete at that level. And the angels have shown very much that they are going to be a very tough team to compete with all season long. So before I take off and before I wrap up this podcast, there's one thing I want to talk about. And that is Jimmy Herget. We talked a little bit about him at the end of Sunday's game, kind of closing out that game, going over two innings pitched to give the bullpen, a tired bullpen, a day off and absolutely closing it out on his own. That was his first career save, but more so than that, it just seems like he's been pitching a lot this season out of the bullpen. Right now, this season, he has pitched in 14 games, 19 innings total, and it just seems like there are guys in this bullpen that deserve attention. Don't get me wrong. Iglesias, Bradley, Loop, Tapera, those guys that they brought in this year uh, to help with that bullpen situation. But Jimmy is the same, same guy. He's a guy that they brought in this year to help with that bullpen situation as well. He was just a minor league contract. When the Angels signed him to come into camp this season, uh, he was a minor league contract guy to kind of prove his way. And he spent time with Texas. You know, he had kind of mixed re- mixed results there. But he just seems to have found something here with the Angels to where it, it d- definitely feels like the Angels have been, he's been the trusted guy when innings are needed. You look at some of his outings um, with the Angels, you, you see some that are multiple innings, including that one you remember in Chicago where Noah Syndergaard got a late scratch, got sick. He went three innings, gave up only one hit on like, I guess you can call it a spot start. But then, you, like I mentioned today, you got two innings out in, against Washington. You got two and two-thirds today. He has just seemed to be very, very reliable and an underrated piece of this bullpen. 
And like I mentioned before, the guys out there, the guys like Iglesias and, and Loop and Tapera, they deserve the attention they get. But I think Jimmy Herga is, uh, oh man, and do I say it? Is he just important, just as important of a piece of this bullpen as those guys are? Because it just seems like he's been able to come up in certain situations and deliver. And granted, not all, not all relief pitchers are going to be lights out all the time. He has his hiccups. He's had his um, issues here and there as far as giving up runs and all that stuff. But if you look at his line, if you look at his 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 um, his game log. You take out that very first appearance, April 8th, against Houston, goes and goes a third of an inning, gives up four runs. You take that all off the board. You take off that off his total um, for the season. You're looking at a completely different ERA. You're looking at a completely different kind of stat line. And that's how minor leaguers uh, – or not minor leaguers, relievers – how we look at their stat line is kind of misleading because one bad outing can really put you behind the eight ball. But I think Jimmy Herget, 28 years old, I, I, you know, he's been a uh, underrated piece of this bullpen. And he seems like a guy that has gained a lot, a lot of confidence from Joe Madden and his staff to come in in situations where maybe certain guys aren't available or have already pitched, or maybe he just needs a couple innings, but Jimmy Herget, the glitch, the, the, the human glitch as he is, that's his nickname, I guess, by uh, some people on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got, you can't help but the root for the guy. Guy comes in here on a mildly contract, shows his worth, comes up here and is absolutely crushing, crushing it with the angels right now. And he's doing really well. I mean, you look at his, like I mentioned, you look at his numbers in the month of May, he is seven and two-thirds innings, a zero ERA, and a batting average against of 185. So this guy has been performing really, really well. Jimmy Herget, underrated piece of this Anaheim bullpen, and quite honestly, might be the guy that Scott Shields was, where he just gets innings and innings and innings. Like, you look at the 0-2 O2 World Series team, and obviously when you look at the back end of that uh, bullpen, you have K-Rod and you had Troy Percival. Both guys great in their own right. Both guys deserve all the praise that they've gotten. But Scott Shields was a guy that ate up innings and was in tight situations and was in the game when, you know, Sosha needed a guy to go maybe a couple innings and get out, get out or get be a bridge to those late inning guys. And I kind of feel like Jimmy Herget is going to be that for this year he's shown it he's proven it and i can't wait to see what else he can do for this team um yeah jimmy herget completely underrated um i think the angels little secret weapon i don't know how much of his name and reputation is out there as far as over major league baseball but i definitely think he's gonna be a key piece for this angel bullpen going forward and i i can't help but to like what i see from him so far this year like i mentioned before month of may zero era over seven and two-thirds innings pitch only five hits uh batting average against of 185 so uh you can't you can't get much better than that so jimmy herget you got a fan over here can't wait to see uh what the rest of the season holds so that's going to wrap it up for this edition 
of the All Angels podcast. We are going to be back on Thursday night, recording Thursday night, to drop the episode Friday morning, right before the Angels take on the Oakland Athletics at Angel Stadium. So definitely, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us, reach out to us on our social media. That's Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And always looking to make this podcast better for you, the fans. Uh, God, it, it's it's fun to finally say that the, the Angels are a winning team, a legit team, and a team that is going to make some noise for this season. So uh, hang on, come on along for the ride, and we will be here every step of the way. So I am Dan Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.